Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Oh my goodness, we're ready. We are ready today. I am excited. Uh, as Tim said, we have a whole new thing going on in our church, and most practically that is with where you are sitting. And may I say, as a speaker for the first time standing here with people in the seats, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> it's way easier to talk to this side. Young adults, good morning. How are you? Okay, stay awake. Thank you. And it's much easier to talk to this side now, Jeff and and, and everyone of the Trinity, Jackson, good to see you. So I'm excited this morning. We are in our core values series, but before we jump into what we have this morning, we are church, we are church here and we are a family, correct? Yes? yes? Family shares good news? Should I share some good news with you? You want it? You better be excited for me. All right, this is my good news. So first of all, family. You've walked with us on this journey. I'm asking you to walk with us some more. But you have journeyed with me and my wife and my kiddos, and we're excited that we have our, our baby on the way. My wife is 13 weeks pregnant tomorrow. As you know, we've walked through some challenges, and uh, I just want to share and thank you for your prayers, but I'm asking you to continue to pray, all right, because we need it, all right? We're humans, and we need it, all right? So can you do that for me? You commit to that for me? Thank you. All right. All right, enough about that, even though that's super exciting. Baby, I love you, okay? Uh, but let's jump into God's word, huh? Okay, let me pray for us. God, <clears throat> we're just here today, God. We're here to glorify you by the reading of your truth through scripture, God. You promise us that your word is active and living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, God. It pierces our soul. It convicts us. It encourages us. It brings life to us, God. So this morning, I'm asking you to do that in me. Deposit something deep in my heart that transforms the way I think, that changes the way I act, that brings glory to your name. And do it in us together as a, as a community that is seeking to glorify you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 We kicked off this series four weeks ago. Tim and Emily and I have been teaching through it. It has been an awesome, awesome time. Tim brought this verse to you at the very beginning. I want to remind you the whole reason it was on Tim and I's heart to bring this to you is because in Colossians chapter 1, we feel a charge as the caretakers of this church to present ourselves and you all mature in Christ. Okay? No other reason than that, not to grow our church, not to grow our speaking ability, not to talk about something we are, we're excited about. All those things are, are, are good things, but we want to present ourselves and you mature in Christ. And that's the heart behind this DNA series. And, and integral to that is this key concept, which Tim hammered home last week, which is such an incredible word. I encourage you to go back and listen to his message and Emily's messages uh, throughout this series. But this word metanoia, everyone say metanoia. You're going to be Greek experts on that word by the end of this series. But the word metanoia means to repent. Everyone say repent. Okay. As we learned last week, it's not a scary word. It's not a legalistic word. It is simply to change the way we think about the way that we think. All right? Which then changes our actions and how we live. And it brings freedom is what it does. And so that's at the heart of everything we're doing throughout this series. That's the heart of our church. And today we get a privilege to talk about serving. 
how do we live a life of service to God? Okay? And before I spoil it and talk about what I believe God has for me, I want to hear from you. All right? And actually, I want you to hear uh, from each other in community. The Bible is meant to be read in community. We are meant to grow our faith in community. So, there's going to be a 90-second timer on the screen, and I want you to talk to someone that might not even be someone you know, but that's sitting next to you, and tell them what you think it means to serve God with your life. All right? Ready? Go. 90 seconds. Right, wrapping it up here. Love the conversations happening. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, I hope you guys had some great dialogue. Um, why do we serve? Why do we live a life of service to God? Our, our core value here is that we serve to make God's love tangible. We serve to make God's love tangible. But why do we do that? And, I, and before we jump into why we do that, we're going to walk through just scripture this morning. I, I want to talk about some ways and ways of thinking that I think can kind of get us askew sometimes as why we serve. Because there's some reasons, some motivations that are in my heart sometimes why I serve that I think don't align with scripture. And I think these are prevalent in, in our culture today. Uh, he, so I would call this, uh, young adults, you ready? These are wrong answers only, Okay. Wrong answers only. Okay, so then why do we serve wrong answers only? Here's the wrong answer. Because everyone else is doing it. Just because everyone else is doing it. It's easy. I can fit in. Everyone else is doing it. It seems like, like it would be a, a thing to do. Everyone else is doing it. Why do we serve? Wrong answer. Because we need to repay God for our sins. Come on now. Come on. You ever want to make things right with God and you want to serve it out? I've been there, huh? Miss Lynn says she's never done that. How about this one? Wrong answer. To earn our salvation. Mm. Wrong answer. Because it feels good. Because it feels good. It might just feel better to go do something, right, and get away from our life, and it feels good. Wrong answer because, um, you know, it's the only thing that might fulfill us. We think it's the only thing that will bring us joy. It's the only thing that will fulfill us. And then here's one that, that I get caught up in a lot is, if I don't do it, God won't do it. I don't do it, God won't do it. And what happens is we put, our place in this, it, we put ourselves in the place of God. So today, I, we're going to unpack some of those a little more. I wanted to get those out there in front. But we're going to kind of approach why do we serve from a 
kind of meta-narrative view of the Bible. That means we are going to journey into this thing called the Old Testament. All right, come on now. You ready for some Old Testament? We're not even just going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to go to the beginning, the book of Genesis. Okay, we're not just going to go to Genesis. We're going to Genesis chapter 1, baby. The greatest sermon start in Genesis chapter 1. All right, now, as I've studied this this week and as I've been processing this, I will tell you that a correct understanding of creation in Genesis 1 is so integral to our faith. So I'm excited for us this morning. But Genesis chapter 1, we are going to start in verse 26. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Turn there with me or check it out on the screen. It says this, Then God said, Sometimes we just forget that that's how powerful he is. But then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And, and, and the reason I'm starting here is because we have to understand, we have to have a right view of who and what and why we were created to be. You see, God created us with the very power of his words, which is remarkable. We're not going to spend time on that this morning. We could spend hours talking about that. But what we're going to focus on is this word image. We are made in his image. Why does a creator make something in their image? Well, it's interesting as you look at the definition of image. This is the secular definition of image straight out of the dictionary is it is a visual representation of something. You and I are visual, tangible representations of the almighty, all-powerful, living God. That is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You need to think about that this morning. What is our purpose? What is an image's purpose? Again, straight out of the dictionary, to display the original, to point to or glorify the original. You are an image bearer, a creation of God, an image of God to display and point to and glorify him. If you're wondering your purpose in life and how you're supposed to live your life, we could stop there and just start praying. Okay? We get to lunch a lot sooner. All right? But that is straight out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. That is the beginning of yours and my existence is that you are meant to point and glorify and bring honor to him. Go to verse 28. There's more. It says, and God blessed them. That would be Adam and Eve. And God said to them, now here's, here's the first commandment to man. Be fruitful and multiply. Young adults, I'll let you figure what that is about, okay? And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what are we supposed to do? He gives us further clarity. You see, God just didn't create a world where we're meant to be these uh, idle, image-bearing creations, not doing anything. He, he created us as active participants in what he is doing on the earth, which is very, very important for us to, to understand. The word dominion there, if you underline that in your Bible and you focus on that word, the word dominion means to, to descend, to go down, and, and then it has this interesting connotation in the original Hebrew. It means to wander and spread. 
to wander and spread. You see, God created the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was literally heaven on earth. And yet man's job in the original before sin entered was to spread that perfection all over the earth as image bearers of him. He gave us roles. He gives us roles, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over these things because he wants us to be active participants in what he is doing. It's not just, hey, Pray a prayer, get saved, hallelujah, now I just don't do anything and I'm not a part of his work. You are active participants in what God is doing and and as it relates to serving him. It's very interesting, uh, the Hebrew scholar Jeff Benner says, man is to rule over the animals as his subjects, not as a dictator, but as a benevolent leader. Man is to walk among and have relationship with him. Literally, we are image bearers of God. If you think about what he's saying there is literally, if it, for what we are to be to the animals in the original creation is what God is to us. A benevolent leader walking among us. That's what he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. He was walking among them as a benevolent leader. We are image bearers of God. Here's a funny question. Do you think God needed Adam and Eve to help subdue and have dominion over the earth? What do you think? Rachel says no. He didn't. I love this. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. (laughs) Creation story continues. It says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird, bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Do you think God could have needed Adam and Eve to name the animals? Do you think God could have done it better? I mean, we started okay. We had like elephant and giraffes kind of cool, but then we get to like dog and cat and fish. He kind of like fizzles out there at the end. But do you think God needed Adam and Eve to name the animals? No. Simple answer, no. Do you think he probably could have done a better job himself? Take that principle of naming the animals and apply that to every area of service you can think of that we could possibly do in this world. God doesn't need us, church. He wants us as participants, co-laborers, active participants in his work. That is how he designed it, to bring glory to himself, not because he needs us, but because he wants us. Okay? We've got to set our heart on that as we think about service. I love what he says in Psalm chapter 50. Sometimes we need to go back to the Psalms more because you have these giants of the faith that are processing through these, these incredible deep things and they say it so simply for us. But Psalm chapter 50, the psalmist says, for every beast of the forest is mine. That's the God you serve, church. The cattle on a thousand hills are his, church. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field are his. And I love this saying. This is the psalmist speaking for God. He says, if God were hungry, he would not tell you or ask you. Can you just remember that when you feel this, this, this maybe sense of pride in what you're doing and serving him? I have to remember that as a pastor. Can you just remember that when you feel like, oh no, if I don't do it, it won't get done? Just remember that God, if he were hungry or if he needed something, guess who's the last person he's going to ask? The last person he's going to ask is Zach Brogdon, right? Because he ends with this, for the world and its fullness are his. 
the world and its fullness are his. Uh, you wonder, okay, Zach, we've been in the Old Testament. What, is, what does it say in the New Testament? Acts chapter 17, all right? Remember, I have the spiritual gift of overmaking points. I will continue to overmake my point, okay? Acts chapter 17, verse 25, this is now the New Testament. So generally in Scripture, when we look for things, we want to see what, you know, the first trump card is if Jesus said it. The second trump card is if it's in the New Testament. The third is if it's in the Old Testament. If it's in all three, you better do it, okay? So New Testament says, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed anything from them. So just remember that. When it relates to service, our hearts have to be postured in such a way that we are active participants by the invitation of God to subdue the earth, but we, we do not do that because he needs us. We do that because he wants us and invites that, us into that with him. But why did he, but why did he invite us in? Go ahead and jump back to Genesis chapter 12. I told Miss, Miss Carol back there and Miss Mary that we'd be jumping around this morning. You keeping up? You okay? All right, because she, she's got the, by the way, this is wisdom right there. She's got the actual pages of the Bible that she turns with me. So I told her I'd slow down. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. So here God has created this beautiful garden for Adam and Eve. They make a choice to sin and not trust God. It creates the separation. This fall, uh, heaven and earth have been um, fractured or, or there's been a chasm that's, that's been brought between it, a separation. And God goes, okay, these people on earth have messed up. We have, we have you know, the flood of Noah in, in Genesis chapter 6 where God goes, I'm going to wipe everyone out. And he says, no, wait, I shouldn't do that. Then you have the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, right, where he's like, oh, man, I created this people. I, they're not following after me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then in Genesis chapter 12, he just starts with this. And if you ever needed to know that anything good and perfect in this world is not from us, I feel like this is the scripture that we should go back to. He says, and in verse 2, and I will make of you, he's speaking to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and he who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. My question to you this morning, church, was there anything that Abraham could have done to earn or get what God just did for him? No. They failed before the flood. Adam and Eve failed. The people of Noah's time failed. The people of the Tower of Babel failed. And God comes in in Genesis chapter 12 to a man that Nobody knew a nothing man named Abraham who was 80 years old with a wife who had no kids and says, I'm going to turn you, Abraham, into an incredible nation, not because of anything you've done or anything you will do, just simply because I am God and I want to redeem the earth. If you think that your service to God has anything to do with you in its origination, I encourage you again to remember that God doesn't need us, he wants us. This theme continues throughout scripture. The prophet Isaiah um, gives some more clarity to it in Isaiah chapter 43, if you'll turn there with me or look on the screen. He says, everyone who is called by my name who I created is for my glory. It's for my glory. If you jump over to Isaiah 49 verse 3, it says, and God said to me, you are my servant. Here's further purpose for Israel, confirming Genesis chapter 12, in whom I will be glorified. 
Why are we here? Why do we serve? What is our role? What is our mission? What is our purpose in this life? What, is, what, it, what, are we, what are we supposed to be doing? Let me help you, church. The first two things we have to get right is this. Number one, God created us to be image bearers for the sole purpose of his glory. That's number one. Number two is that God doesn't need you and me. He wants you and me to be willing and active participants. You've got to settle that in your heart. I've got to settle that in my heart. I am here for one sole purpose. The main purpose is to bring God glory. And I am here in bringing God glory, not because he needs me, but because he wants me. But how does this tangibly play out? I get that, Zach. There's this bigger picture and this, this, this origination of our purpose. But how does this play out? I still have choices to make and life to live. And, and, and I still want to serve. Maybe I want to go on a mission trip. Maybe I want to serve in children's ministry. Maybe I want to go uh, feed the homeless. How do I do this tangibly? Because there's still questions to be asked, right? How do I serve God with my life? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, Jesus is, is leaving the earth after he's resurrected, and um, he's giving these last words to his disciples. And Matthew 28 is one of those scriptures that has been so misunderstood, so um, used in some ways that, that I think weren't the original purpose of what Jesus was talking about. But let me read it for us first. In verse 18, this is called the Great Commission, as many have titled it. Matthew 28, verse 18, Matthew writes, And Jesus came and said to them, them is, is Jesus' disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, what's interesting about Matthew 28, and specifically these verses 18 through 20, is that historically, in the history of the church, this was not used as a missionary text. Did you know that? It was not used as a, as a beckoning to come uh, advance the gospel through ev evangelism. In fact, up until the 19th century, it was used as a Trinitarian text. We see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And it was used as a baptism text. This is how you baptize, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was not used to say, you better go evangelize, you better go to Mexico or Nepal, which we do, and, and there is purpose behind that, by the way. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do that, but this text was not used for that reason. And how we get there, how, how, how it has been misunderstood is we, we misunderstood this word go in verse 19. It says, therefore, go. And the Greek word there is not to go from here to another country. The Greek word there actually is, is defined and interpreted as, as you're living, do this. As you are going about your day-to-day -day life, this is what you're supposed to do. That's the actual Greek meaning, and in English we put the word go, and it totally changes the connotation of the whole verse. And if we're not careful, we, it changes the way that we approach serving and missions and, and our mission. But this is what it's saying. It says, as you are living your normal daily life, which maybe mean you were called to go to Nepal or Mexico, that might be what you are called to, 
Or it may mean you're called to be an admin assistant and work from nine to five for 40 years. As you are living your daily life, make disciples. What is a disciple, Zach? Well, it's very interesting there because I think a lot of the Western Christian culture doesn't actually take it as making disciples. It takes it as making converts. Go witness to someone about Jesus and have them pray a prayer that says, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and then go somewhere else. You see, what Jesus says to them is to make disciples, and if if I want to give you kind of a scary thought, is um, introducing someone to the concept of Jesus and having them submit to his lordship and ask ask him to be a savior is step one of a million steps of your making disciples. And oh, by the way, Matthew 28, total side note, is not an optional text for us. It is, it is a required text for us. It's to go, therefore, and make disciples. As we are living, make disciples of all nations. And then he gives us baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command. Did you know to teach? You actually have to, to live it out. To teach, you have to know what you're going to be teaching. The greatest teachers are those that that teach out of the overflow of their hearts, meaning it's happening in them. It's not just something they're saying. So the the first order of business in in teaching is to living, for it to be in us. And this goes with the entire theme of Matthew, because Matthew's whole theme throughout his gospel, all 28 chapters, is building kingdom communities. That's what Matthew's theme is. Rebuilding a kingdom community within the nation of Israel. Rebuilding a kingdom community within the 144 people that followed Jesus. Rebuilding a kingdom community starting with the 12 disciples. Rebuilding a kingdom community within the core three people, Peter, James, John, and Jesus, that we're doing life together every day. You know what's interesting about building? My wife and I renovate houses sometimes, and we're building a house right now. Is Building takes time. There are roadblocks, there are delays, there are challenges. Building takes time. Praying a prayer and evangelizing and getting someone to convert takes very little time. Making a disciple, learning to teach them, takes incredible amount of time, lifelong amount of time. Jesus modeled this for us. He took 12 people, 12 men, and he lived life with them for three years. And then he didn't just live with them for three years. He continued to live life with them through the power of his Holy Spirit for the rest of their lives. That's going and making disciples. That's part of our mission. So not only are we created to be image bearers of God's glory, not only does he just not, he doesn't need us, but wants us to be willing and active participants, but we bear God's image best when we model and duplicate and do exactly what Jesus did. That's how we best bear God's image, is to do exactly what Jesus did. John 13, Jesus is giving some last words to his disciples, and he says, this is how you are to bear my image. Verse 34 says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, it's interesting here, as we're going to read, because 
this, com- this commandment of love, to love, was also in the Old Testament. So it's not new in the sense that they haven't heard the word before, but it's new as to what type of love they would be giving. He says, this new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Now, here's why it's news, because Jesus loved very differently than any other person in the history of the world. And he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And here's how. How do we bring glory to God? He's unpacking it further in the New Testament. If you have love for each other. If you have love for each other. Not if you convert a massive amount of people. Not if you serve and, and, and help feed a thousand people. Uh, not if you, um, Jesus did that, by the way, he fed 5,000. Not if you go uh, to another country. Jesus did that, by the way, he went to the Gentiles. He went to several countries, by the way. Not if you uh, build this incredible church with all these people. That's not how he says you are to let people know you are his disciples. What he says is if you have what? Love for who? One another. One another. If we have a daily life that witnesses, not through our words, but through our very actions towards each other, that is how people will be attracted to the the very person of Jesus. You see, you can't simply just say, I love someone, and people will believe you. I cannot say I love my wife and then never spend time with her, never talk to her, never serve her. I can't say I love my wife and go hang out with other women. I can't say that, right? If I said I love my wife and you saw me down here on a Friday night with someone else, would you think I love my wife? You'd say you definitely don't love your wife. Babe, I'd never do that, okay? I was out on Friday night uh, at Albertsons getting ice cream for my wife, so, you know, pregnancy cravings, so she knows where I was, okay? Um, Actions. Actions. So number one, God created us to be image bearers for his glory. Number two, God doesn't need us. He wants us. Number three, we bear God's image best when we do what Jesus did. Number four, Jesus lived in community and loved his community and commands us to do the same. Do you think Jesus liked all of his disciples all the time? I guarantee you no. I mean, Get behind me, Satan, he says to Peter. He says to John, would you stop asking me who is the greatest disciple? I could go on. Thomas, would you please believe after seeing all these miracles? Mark chapter 10. Jesus kind of unpacks this further. I love this. Verse 45. What does it mean to serve God? What does it tangibly mean to live out this purpose of serving God? As we reorient our minds, it says, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we, as we approach the order of what does it mean to serve, we are image bearers for his glory. We are active participants because God wants us, right? We, we need to do what Jesus did. We need to live in community and love our community. And how do we do that? By laying down our lives for one another. Zach, what, how do I serve God? What do you mean? How do I serve God? I want to serve God. He's loved me so much, I want to give back. How do you serve God? You lay down your life for the people that are sitting next to you. It's not very comfortable, huh? <laughs> you lay down your life for the people that, that, is, that is in the, in the pew or the, the desk or um, is your coworker that, that, that 
that needs Jesus or needs some love. You lay down your life for the people that don't have the same political view as you. You lay down your life for the people that completely annoy you and frustrate you. You lay down your life for them. You lay down your life for people that go to the church every Sunday and sing songs in a building with you, even if they're not your favorite people. They don't have the same interests as you. They don't have the same um, desires as you. They don't like football. Who doesn't like football? It's weird. Uh, but if they don't, if they don't, if they're not this this person that you would love to hang out with all the time, you still lay down your life for them. Because that's how Jesus says we are to live out as image bearers of him. John 15, verse 11, he gives us the reason why we do this. Why it's good for us. You see, he could have left it there with, hey, I'm God, I created you. I gave you this incredible opportunity to serve with me, and you will get no incredible, tangible feeling from it, right? But there is this incredible blessing that comes from this. And again, this can't be the very reason we do this. There's other reasons before this reason, but this reason is amazing for us. It, 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 it sometimes is what we put as the number one thing, but it shouldn't be. Here I have it as the sixth thing. He says in John 15, verse 11, he says, these things I have spoken to you, to his disciples, all these things I've told you, how to bear my image and live in service to me, all these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, that the joy of Christ, the joy of Christ to come down from heaven, the joy of Christ to give up his, his, his wonderful place of God of the universe and come down and, and take on the role of a simple human being. The joy of Jesus, he wants in us, and here's why, that your joy may be complete. That your joy may be complete. We search for joy and happiness in a lot of crazy ways, don't we? We think it may be it's if we have, if we get married, I'll find joy. Oh, if only we have a family, we'll have joy. Oh, if only we can buy a house. Oh, if only we can have two and a half kids with a white picket fence and a, and a, and a dog, two and a half kids, by the way, a white picket fence and a dog. If only then after that, that doesn't bring me joy. Only after that if, um, oh, I can have this job that is this fulfilling job and this role. You know, I'll start a nonprofit. Oh, I'll go serve here. That's how we think we have joy. But Jesus says, no, 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 you don't get it. Joy starts with just simply being an image bearer of me and embracing the original call in your life to point and direct people to Christ. And how do you do that? You have a right understanding of what that means. How do you do that? You live in community. You live in, in loving your community. How do you do that? You lay down your life for your community. And what does that do? Not only does it bring glory to God, but it gives you joy that's complete. And all those six steps right there, by the way, there's not a, there's not a, a fast track to that. There's not a, uh, you know, Pastor Chris and his wife, Carrie, they love Disneyland. What's it called? The fast pass. There's no fast pass to this. 
There's no sermon that's going to do this for you. This one certainly won't. There's no worship song that's going to do this in your life. There's no song that we could sing. There's no Bible study we could go to. There's no small group we can go to. You know what it is. It's simply this, embracing your purpose, understanding your purpose, and living it out one small choice at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time over the course of your entire life. Can I tell you something? It's super exciting but it can also be super, super challenging at the same time to make that choice over and over again daily. And I get a lot of people that, I, that I've met with and I ask this question too. It's like, Zach, can, can God just give me the very specifics of what I'm supposed to do in this life? Can he tell me, do this, do this, do this, start this, go here, serve here, go to this country, marry this person? You see, what he wants you to do, he's given you a blueprint here. He's given you the generic plans of how you are to live your life in service to him and image bearing of him. But what he wants you to do is to pursue him. He wants you to seek after him. He wants you to ask him, God, am I supposed to be a missionary? You know what? It, it might be really cool. Tim's a living, breathing example. Is I, I feels called to missions, wanted to be a missionary at 18 years old, right? And yet God called him to plant, to plant and stay in a local church, not go and be a missionary. Me, Zach, I thought I was meant to be a college basketball coach and, 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 and do things from that platform. And what God grabbed a hold of me as I was ascending up the ladder of coaching was, no, you're not meant for this. You're meant for something else. I said, God, what is that? He goes, I can't tell you yet. And I still don't know what it is. 35 years old, I don't know what it is. So as you're pursuing and thinking about how God wants to use you for his kingdom, if you just come back to the core values of this, you're an image bearer of God. You are meant to be an active. By the way, active participant is not to sit in church on Sunday and go home and not, and not to put anything into practice, right? Active participant in God's kingdom building, in the expansion of the Garden of Eden, in the rebringing together of heaven and earth as it was intended to be. You're an active participant, right? Not because God needs you, but because he wants you. We can do this best when we imitate Christ. He's the ultimate, not, not a pastor, not a preacher, not another person. There's no mentor you need outside of Jesus. Those things, mentors are good. Pastors are good. And when we imitate Jesus, we see that he lived in community and he loved his community. And he loved them so much that he didn't just talk about it. He didn't just, you know, meet some small physical needs. He laid down his very life for them. God's calling you to look to your left and to your right and lay down the, your very life for those that you call your community. And when we do this, the goodness of God doesn't just do it to bring himself glory, but he, he allows us, he graciously gives us complete joy. What's the secret to happiness? There's a movie, um, I'm going to date myself. You know what, when older preachers when I was in high school and college would say, there's this movie, um, I'd always be like, why are you talking about that movie? Because I don't even know what it is, but young adults, I don't know if you know this one, The Pursuit of Happiness. Older people, okay? The pursuit of happiness. Will Smith, you guys know who Will Smith is? Okay, he's still big enough? Okay. He, he did a movie one time called the, the Pursuit of Happiness. He also did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The new one is not the real one. It's the, new, it's the older one. 
But we, our, our very nation, other nations, so many people have labored in the pursuit of what happiness is. And can I tell you, happiness is fleeting, joy is lasting. And what Jesus says is the way that you have complete and total joy in any circumstance is by embracing being an image bearer of God. By embracing doing and living and thinking and acting how the ultimate image bearer of God in human flesh, Jesus, lived his life. And this is hard. As we think about this, and as I speak it out loud, can I tell you that in my own life, this is very, very, very hard. See, I want the fast pass. I want to understand this all completely. I want to know the specifics of what God wants me to do. God, what do you want me to do exactly? What do you want my children to do? What do you want me and my wife to do? What are we supposed to do, God? Could you just give us the specifics one time? And it's funny, as I was, my son was in Awana. Uh, it's a Bible um, club that they memorize verses at. He's in Awana, he's going through Romans, and he's memorizing verses of Romans. And I stumbled upon this week, as I was finishing up uh, prepping for this message, I stumbled upon Romans chapter 11. And I want to end with this. Would you just close your eyes and receive this this morning? Close your eyes with me as we bow our heads. I just, I, honestly, I just want to pray this over us. I want to read it first, and I want to pray it over us. But I was... Romans chapter 11, Paul, who it took him a while to embrace living a life in imitation and image bearing of God. Paul's writing to the Roman church, and he spent 10 chapters explaining to them creation, purpose, the plan of God. And it's some of the thickest theology you could ever read. If you would like to be confused, read Romans 1 through 10 and the beginning of 11. But then Paul says something so profound, and honestly, I've read this so many times, but this week it just hit me because it was for me. And I believe it's for us this morning. So I want you to put your heart in a posture of receiving this. When you're questioning what your purpose is, when you're questioning if you're qualified to even serve and bear the image of Christ, when you're questioning why does this earth exist, why did God set the earth up this way, why did God have to send Jesus, why, why, is, why is there evil in this world, why is there suffering, why is there pain, why do good, good people have bad things happen, why do bad, thing, bad, bad things happen to good people, when you're questioning and wondering, Lord, what is this all about, this is what I believe God wants to tell you, and he wants to whisper in your ear this morning. In your ear and my ear. Oh, how great are my riches and my wisdom and my knowledge. Oh, how impossible are they for you to understand my decisions and my ways. For who can know my thoughts? Who knows enough to give me advice? And who has given me so much that I need to pay him back? For everything comes from me and exists by my power and is intended for my glory. And all glory is mine forever and ever. God, as we contemplate 
and think about what it means to serve you, to live a life of service, to make your love tangible by serving God. Lord, we see your blueprint blueprint throughout Scripture. We see what you did in the person of your son, Jesus, God, giving us the ultimate example of how to serve and how to live a life on mission. Lord, we understand that, that it's not this, this momentary thing to, to evangelize or, or this great grand thing that we have to do, God, but it's a very simple thing to live in daily community and love for one another, God. But Lord, with that, Lord, there's a tension in our hearts. There's a tension in my heart. And Lord, I just firmly believe that comes down to the tension of it. Do I really trust you? Do I really want to give my life up for you, God? Do I really want to live a life um, on mission and in the mission of my original purpose and design by my creator? And so, God, I just pray that, that when we encounter those thoughts and those feelings, God, that we would come back to the truth of your word, that, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom. How impossible is it us for, to understand his, your decisions, God, and your ways, for we can never know. We could never, we could never understand completely, Lord, how intricate and meticulous and grand and mighty and grandiose, God, and, and so far greater are your thoughts than ours, God. We could never be so prideful to think that we should give you advice on how to run your kingdom and how to take care of us. And Lord, there's certainly nothing that we could ever do that places you in our debt because we are eternally yours. We don't deserve anything. In fact, we deserve worse than we ever could have because we deserve separation from you when you're with us. So God, we just ask that we would be reminded that every good and perfect thing comes from you, exists for you, and is intended for you. We pray that you would settle that deep in our hearts, Lord. You change the way we think about our mission and our purpose and what serving is, God. Not so that, that even we could have peace about it, God, but so that we could be transformed into the likeness of your Son and that very act of being transformed into the likeness of our Son would bring you glory because we are living out Genesis chapter 1 being image bearers of you. That's the desire of our hearts. Grant us that grace. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.